Lord, we thank you that you are the God of the mountains and the valley, Lord. Whatever season we may find ourselves in this morning, we know that you're there with us, Lord. We thank you that you're comforting us and you're holding us and you're strengthening us, Lord Jesus. And we pray, Lord God, that this morning as we look at your word and as you speak to us today, I pray that we would have hearts, hearts that are open, Lord God, ready to hear, ready to receive all that you want to do today. Lord, any distractions, help us to be able to set them aside and receive all that you want us to receive today. We pray and we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You can take a seat this morning. Fantastic. I've got Amy to come up with me this morning and, uh, and share just the platform for a few moments as we uh, just want to talk about a few leadership things. And then um, I'm going to speak this morning and start a new Christmas series, which is exciting for this time of year. So, Ames, welcome to the platform. Thank you. <laughs> well, um, talking about Christmas and uh, Christmas is only 24 more sleeps away. Um, we have been busy sitting down and planning 2020. So we are incredibly excited about what is to come. We have planned um, really strategic events throughout the year and um, we're really excited. So we can't wait to start sharing with you what 2020 holds, but um, you're in for a good year. You're in for a good 2020. That's all I can tell you right now. That's great. It's awesome when you get, um, get in early and you start planning guests and different things and looking at the rhythm of the year. And I just think it's going to be an outstanding year, 2020. And uh, we've had a great year this year. And I just think it's a great launching pad going in into next year. And just like you do at the end of the year when it comes to uh, a year coming to a close, you look at some things as well and you assess some things. And one of those things that we've been looking at seriously and, and praying about for a while is our Lawson service. Um, it's a great service. We've had about average of about 50 people that have been attending that service. But to be honest with you, most of those people are from this congregation here at Mount Riverview. And it's been fantastic to have that service running once a month and trialing that. But to be honest with you, it's not local people that we're connecting. And if it's not going to bear fruit in that way, it's something that we just don't want to continue doing where we've got team and all those people that are involved in, in making that happen. So what we are going to do is just con continue to have connect groups that are running up there that we've launched and started. And we've met some incredible people like the Cannon family uh, that have joined the church through there and, and many others. And we've seen decisions for Jesus. And it's been awesome. So yeah, come on, give these guys a real hand. We love them. It's fantastic. But um, like when we've spoke to the key people that have been involved there, it, it's, a, it's a chorus of the same things where everyone's saying, look, we're coming to Mount Riv anyway, and so we're involved there. So we're just going to continue to build connect groups and look towards maybe going further up the mountain and, and, um, and, and trialling something up there in the future. But for now, we just wanted to bring that back in, strengthen here, and I really think it's going to make a big dynamic into 2020 because what we're going to do is we're going to bring that Sunday night service into here and try that as a bi-monthly service, so, which will be great. So, um, yeah, so just, gonna... but in saying that, so our last Lawson event is actually going to be the picnic in the park on the 15th of December um, at Wentworth Falls Lake. So I want to encourage the wider church, not just people in, in the upper mountains, but I want to encourage the wider church to come along and be a part of it because it's just going to be a fun afternoon, evening, and it's going to be so kid-friendly that... I want to encourage you to come up and be part of it and let's celebrate the end of the year. 
And pizza's involved, so life's better with pizza, right? <laughs> so much pizza. <laughs> You're going to be sick of pizza. So that's going to be good. But one of the great highlights of this year, uh, across many things, has just been the strength of this church when it comes to, to finances. Really, to be honest with you, as a church, over this last 12 months, and particularly this last six months, we have really busted forward financially as a church. And so we're focusing on a whole bunch of different areas when it comes to finances because there's a whole bunch of competing priorities. Yeah. There's, there's saving and making sure you've got good savings in the bank, which we are at a point now where we've never really operated with great savings, but we are able to do that now. Uh, there's also being able to do maintenance on an aging building and be able to, to do things that are needed, which is happening all the time, which you're probably not aware of, plumbing and this thing's getting fixed, all those things that are happening through the week, but also being able to see improvements and, and, and advancements on the building as well. And then uh, fourthly, be able to knock down our, our mortgage. And we're actually paying almost 3000 a month extra on our mortgage at the moment because finances are healthy yeah. and strong, uh, which is a real blessing to be able to see that loan go down. But I wanted to tell you because you are going to see some changes and some improvements on this building in January. And so when you come to church throughout the month of January, there is going to be some big things happening around the place. But we're not going to tell you. <laughs> right now. So don't come and ask us because you'll get shut down because we're not going to tell you. It's a, it is a surprise. <laughs> you can come and ask us, by the way. <laughs> but uh, it's exciting. January is going to be a great month and it's it's exciting time of the year. Yes, boss. <laughs> <laughs> We don't own the church building, so you give to it, so we can tell you what's going on, but... (laughs) There goes the surprise. (laughs) But at the same time, I just wanted to to tell you about that because it's going to be a great and exciting time. I think it's going to make a great difference to our building in January, and and looking forward to 2020 is going to be a phenomenal year. And this is going to be a great Christmas season, and so I want to encourage you, cast the net again to friends and family, people that perhaps you haven't invited to church for a while. This is an opportune time to bring people to the house of God, to invite people along, and who knows what God will do. Just like what Kev was saying last week, we don't need to to try and get the perfect service and the perfect speaker and the perfect thing to happen. God knows how to reach people. If we would just be faithful to invite, who knows what God would do. And so I just want to take a moment now, let's pray over this Christmas season and leading into 2020, and then we'll get into the Word. So Lord Jesus, we just thank you for all the incredible things that are happening in the life of City Church. I thank you for every member, every person, every family that calls City Church home. And I just pray over this Christmas season that we would see an influx of new people, Lord God. We'd see people that are coming to church for the first time, people that are coming back to church, Lord Jesus. We thank you for many sons and daughters that have come home this year, Lord Jesus. But we just pray for even more, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, for prodigals and new people, Lord Jesus. We just pray that we would see a great influx and we'd see great salvations, Lord, over this Christmas season. Into 2020, Lord God, we just ask you to have your way and your blessing and your favor would rest upon your people. We pray and we ask it right now in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Come on, give my beautiful wife a hand. She's amazing. Fantastic. Well, isn't it good to start this Christmas season? And um, we just wanted to start a series called The Greatest 
gift. If you've noticed on uh, this morning, as Amy's already mentioned in our devotional this morning, we've seen um, a new Advent devotional that has started, and that's been written by Felicity Ollie, and she does an incredible job with that. But uh, that's a seven-day devotional just to kind of kick off the Christmas season. And so we wanted to follow on with that and be able to have a, a series that goes on with that as well. And so we've called it Advent, the greatest gift. And you know the word Advent, when you look at the definition in the dictionary, it says the arrival of a notable person or thing. And then it gives the example of the advent of television. <laughs> that is the example that the dictionary gives the word advent. The advent of television. Could you imagine your life without television this morning? How exciting was it when the TV arrived on the scene? How much has it changed our lives that we all sit around, we build our lounge rooms around this TV screen? Where maybe perhaps in the past we were looking at each other, now we're just looking in the same direction towards the screen. The advent of television. But when we talk about Christmas, we're talking about something so much more exciting than just a TV screen. We're talking about the beginning of the Christmas season, and even more than that, we're talking about the leading up to Christ's birth. Now, that is exciting. And I'm sure that um, if it was modern times where Jesus was born, Jason Webster with a TV crew would be there getting the footage so we could see it on our TV screens of the advent of the birth of Jesus Christ. It's an exciting moment. But it's something that we should never forget how it's changed the course of history, how it's changed the course of our lives, how it truly is the greatest gift. This Christmas season, you will get a whole bunch of gifts, there is no doubt, of friends, family members, people that will give towards you, maybe work, um, Christmas parties, different opportunities where we give gifts to each other. And there'll be many great gifts, clothes, perhaps it'll be new phones or iPads or uh, TVs or different things like that. And they're all great and exciting things. But can I just tell you a sad reality? All of those things that you receive will at one point wear out. The clothes that you love so much that you've bought now, at some point they will wear out. It's sad to know. It's the same with our electric devices, all these different things that we would get. They will wear out. But there is one gift that will never wear out. There is one gift that is everlasting, and that is the gift of Jesus Christ. His grace and his mercy to us, that he would come down to earth, that he would enter the neighborhood of humanity for you and I that he would change the set of circumstances of our life so that we could know incredible love. Not just of a distant God in heaven, but a God that came near. Emmanuel, God who is with us. Isn't that an exciting gift? And so it's no, reason, it's no wonder that at this time of year, the church loves to celebrate. The church loves to party. We love to set the trend of the party for our community because it is the greatest gift. There are these other gifts that they will fade and the excitement will diminish and the toys that you buy your kids will just end up in a wardrobe somewhere because they're not the new and exciting things anymore. But there is the gift that we can train up our children. There is the gift that we can be reminded of every day as adults of relationship with Jesus that changes everything. For God so loved the world. 
that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And I love verse 17, which says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's a reminder that this gift isn't to make you feel bad. This gift is to encourage you, to remind you that there is hope. There are many gifts at Christmas time that perhaps we don't want a gift. We want to receive from someone. The hankies. No one wants to receive that gift. It's not something you've been looking forward to. But there are gifts at this time of year that can sometimes feel like they condemn us. Has anybody ever been bought a gym membership for Christmas? It does feel like a condemning gift. Hey, just reminding you, you need to spend some time at the gym, so I've bought you a gym membership. Christmas is not like that with Jesus. It's not about condemning you. It's not about making you feel bad. It's about you receiving. You receiving his incredible love and grace for you. And so if you've got your Bibles this morning, why don't you come with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is the great account of the birth of of Jesus, And let's read it together. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. Verse 4 says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem from the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with an angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those with whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. What an incredible account of the birth of Jesus. You can imagine the scene. You can imagine the story. So many different dynamics and different people that were involved in this. But the greatest moment in history as the Savior Jesus was born. 
Can you imagine the anticipation and the excitement around as these shepherds decided that they were going to go and see Jesus? This kind of feeling like the revealing of what they had been told had actually taken place and that they needed to find out for themselves. It was an exciting time. And so I just want to speak this morning briefly about three gifts that you can give in this Christmas season. And there are three gifts that are articulated in this passage. And the first one's this. Number one, the gift gift of gratitude. What happened straight away as these uh, shepherd men were out in the field, what happened was as the angels came and appeared to them and they spoke to them about this incredible sign of this child that would be found in a manger and they, they encouraged them to go and to see this child. What happened straight away was that there was praise and there was worship to Jesus As soon as this announcement had taken place, the angels immediately took a moment to glorify God. Because even in that moment, these shepherd men, they had no idea the significance of the moment that was taking place. And so these angels came forward and they began to worship. They began to show gratitude from a heavenly perspective. They knew how big this was, that God in heaven would come to earth to save humanity, even though they didn't deserve it. Even though people didn't measure up and behavior wasn't right, even though there was so much sin on the world, Jesus decided that he was going to come and save the world from their sins. What a powerful moment in history. And the first response to that was gratitude. The first response to that was glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I wonder whether this Christmas season, whether gratitude is the first thing that comes out of us as believers in Jesus. I wonder whether we are thankful for what Jesus has done in our life, how he's impacted and changed us, but also how he set it up so that there is a gift available for every person, that we could know the grace of Jesus Christ. I love this. Someone once said, None is more impoverished than the one who has no gratitude. Gratitude is a currency that we can mint for ourselves and spend without fear of bankruptcy. And isn't that so true about gratitude? I love it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's actually God's will for you that you would remain thankful, that you would be grateful for all that God has done. How easy it is for us to forget the incredible blessings that we have in our life. Isn't it amazing how sometimes our blessings can become our complaints? One day we, we prayed, we asked God for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We asked God that we would be married. We asked God for that significant partner. And then we can find ourselves <laughs> complaining about that person, complaining about what their behavior, complaining about their th- the things that they've done wrong, complaining about this, complaining about that. Has anybody in the building ever done that? <laughs> Just wanted to see whether you're listening this morning, whether you wanted to die. <laughs> But we can find ourselves doing that and we're complaining about what we've prayed for. 
It's the same when it comes to kids. How many times have people prayed and believed God for for having great kids and and believing God for a child to be born, and then you have the children and you can find them drawing on the wall. You can find them doing things around the house that you just wish that they weren't going to do, or they're misbehaving, or they're doing this, or they're doing that, and you can find yourself complaining about the blessing. What about people that have prayed for a house? They just prayed that they would receive this great house. They prayed for one day for this miracle or this property. And then you get it. And then you're complaining about having to clean the house. It's so frustrating. You're complaining about having to do the lawns. You're complaining about the upkeep and the maintenance on the house. You're complaining about all of those things. You know, we can do that with our church. We can, we can talk about our building and we can complain about, oh, we've got to fix this. We've got to fix that. We've got to fix that. But you know what? It's a blessing. People have sacrificed for this. We live in a blessing today because someone had the faith and the foresight to purchase this property so that we could be in it today and be blessed. We can find ourselves complaining about our job. We prayed for a great job and now we are in the job and the complexities of the job and the challenging people that perhaps we work with, we can find ourselves complaining about it. But isn't it blessed to have a job? How many people do you know that are praying for a great job But you've got one. We can find ourselves so easily complaining about the blessings. And isn't it true that the most ungrateful people always seem to have the weight of the world on their shoulders? It's like it's always been stacked against them. Life is stacked against them. And this has happened. And this has happened. And this has happened. And they're ungrateful because of this. And they're complaining about this, complaining about that. But then you meet somebody that's just grateful. You meet somebody that's just thankful for the life that they live and the simple blessings they have in their life. And it almost feels like it just attracts more and more blessing in their life. They just live light. They live with such a positivity about the future. There's somebody that you actually want to be around. They're attractive to people. They actually build great relationships because people want to be near them. But the person that's ungrateful, they actually repel. People don't want to be around that person. It's actually a repellent. And I think there's a great challenge for us as Christians, particularly as we do the journey over the years, to not forget the joy of our salvation, to not forget the great joy of Christmas time. Once you've done a few Christmases, and it's a bit like what we talked about this morning, as a child, it can be so excitement, exciting at Christmas time. But for some reason, as the years go on, as you get a few Christmases under your belt, It can just feel like it's just another part of the year. It's the busy time. It's the time where the shops are busy. It's the time where there's stressful times. It's the time where I've got to go and see those awkward family members, the weird aunt and this person and that person. It's that time of the year. that's And we talk so much about the chaos of it rather than the Christ of Christmas. And I want to encourage you this morning, let's be grateful. Let's have some gratitude about the fact that we know the true reason of Christmas. It's a reason. It's it's powerful. It's actually not something that's going to diminish or fade like any other gift. It's a gift that is going to keep on giving for the rest of your life. And that's the joy. I think as life goes on, you realize that the houses, the cars, the things you accumulate, the wealth, the clothes, they don't actually make you happy. As you get them, as you get different things, they don't actually bring you any more joy. It's actually the simplicity of relationship with Jesus, where gratitude, where true life, where true hope, where true joy is found. 
And so let's not try and chase all those other things. Let's just go to the great source of joy. See, gratitude simplifies your life. Gratitude shows you what is important. And gratitude sets the tone of your life. I love this um, in Philippians 4 verse 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It's almost like when you read that passage, the, the with thanksgiving is added in there to remind us that there will be times sometimes where you're praying with prayer and petition and you're presenting your requests, but you actually forget to be thankful about what you've already received. And how often we can find ourselves just asking God for this, asking God for that, and not just taking stock and a moment just to be thankful for what we've already received, what we already have. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Let's start with gratitude at this Christmas, Christmas time. Let's be grateful for the people and the loved ones that are around us. Let's be grateful for the blessing that we have in this incredible nation. And let's be grateful mostly for Jesus coming to earth to save us. And that has changed the story of our lives. Gratitude is a sign of spiritual maturity. It's actually a sign that somebody is growing in God because you're founded and you're built upon the rock of Jesus Christ. It actually says it this way in Colossians 2 verse 6, And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built upon him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. In other words, thankfulness is linked with a growing relationship with Jesus. If you're grounded in Christ, thankfulness will overflow out of your life as a result. There are a lot of grumpy Christians that perhaps have stopped growing in Christ because thankfulness is actually a sign of spiritual maturity, of a relationship with Jesus that is flourishing. Secondly, this morning, we've talked about the gift of gratitude. Secondly, this morning, it's the gift of your presence, the gift of your presence, What happened in this story is straight away the shepherds said this, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. I love the fact that in this story, they didn't just hear from the angels They didn't just hear a great event is is going to take place, but they gave their complete presence to that moment. They stopped what they were doing. They followed to where they needed to go, and they went and gave their full quality attention to the birth of Jesus Christ. And they were there to experience him lying in a manger and to be able to testify of what had happened, that what had been spoken to them by the angels was actually true. They actually gave their presence and their attention to the moment. Do you know what? Attention and quality time in this world today is so rare. 
We talk about rare things having incredible value like gold and, and silver and all of those things that we, we kind of try to, uh, a lot of people try to get at this time of year as a gift and it's because they're so rare that they're so valuable. But there is something more rare than those things in the generation that we live today. And that is quality attention. To be able to be in the moment and not checking your status. To be able to be in the moment and not listening to the beep on your phone. To be able to just look at someone in front of you in the eyes and communicate with them and connect with them. To be able to give them your full attention and to be in that moment. Do you know your presence is the greatest gift you can give. Not just the presence, physical sense, but your presence, your attention to God and to people. To be able to be in that moment, value people enough to say, you know what, this Christmas time, I'm not going to make it about the presence. I'm going to make it about my presence. I'm going to make it memorable in the sense that I want people to feel valued. I want people to feel connected with and loved. And the same when it comes to God. I don't want to just know him from a distance. I want to spend time in his presence. I want to give my full attention to him. I want to make sure my focus is upon him. Your presence is your greatest present. So your presence, presence it makes God and people a priority. And your presence creates new opportunities for personal relationship. I love when it was prophesied hundreds of years earlier in Isaiah. It says this, The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That he would come to earth to know us in a personal way, that he would show his presence to us. And that we would be able to experience Jesus Christ for ourselves. And isn't that a powerful thought at this Christmas time? That actually you just being able to spend time with God, you being able to spend quality time with the people that are around you, just like in this story here, we see that the shepherds came through and they made sure that it was a priority to spend this quality time. This Christmas season, can I encourage you? Make sure that you give the gift of your presence. Don't be so distracted and caught up with different things that you forget about that. Have quality time with God. I love Matthew 6, verse 6. It says this, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Just that thought of shutting the door, shutting out distractions, shutting out what's going on in our world, and just spending quality time with our Heavenly Father. Spending time in His presence and just saying, God, I'm not looking for the next thing to do right now. Just in this moment, I just want to spend time with you. I just want to know you in a personal way. I'm shutting the door on the world. I'm shutting the door on the distractions because I see this as a priority and as important. And this Christmas season, let's be reminded again of the central reason of Christmas. And having quality time with people, I love in Romans 12.10, it says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. It's just like when a new child is born, how you give so much attention to that child. And people can be around, you can be sitting around with people that have had a newborn baby. And, and it, even with the baby not doing a single thing, 
The baby doesn't talk. The baby's not communicating. They just become the center point of the room. And everyone's looking at the baby. Everyone's focused on them. They're taking all the moments to be able to look at this child. And everyone's giving their complete attention to this child. But as that child grows up, how easy is it to have the child, they're just out doing something else. They're out doing something else. There's not that same level of attention that's given. It's the same with any new blossoming relationship. At one point when you were just a boyfriend or a girlfriend and there was just the excitement of a new relationship, spending time together and doing all these things, you just were spending hours just gazing into each other's eyes. How many married couples today are doing that? Just sitting there across the table, just gazing into each other's eyes. I hope that it is true. But as time goes on, it's just amazing how we can lose value in these quality relationships that we, that we have. Or we can put on a mask and try to be something else and not actually receive the incredible gift of, of our presence. I was telling this story at Lawson last Sunday night, and I believe I've told it before, but um, when I, I first met Brian Houston, pastor of Hillsong Church, it was about 10 years ago, it was at a conference he was speaking at as, at our state conference, and we were just out at the morning session in the break. And as I was just walking around, just talking to a few people, all of a sudden, just behind me, I hear this deep voice and just goes, Hi, what's your name? And, and I'm like, oh, no. Like, I turn around, and it's Brian Houston. And I, I, wasn't, I wasn't ready for it. I was in shock. I was like, this is what, like my hero, one of my heroes in the faith. And I'm just like, oh, no, he's right here. And so he goes, hi, my name's, ben. Hi, hi, my name's, my name's Brian. And he starts talking and I go, and he starts having this communication with me. And then he goes, what church are you from? And so I tell him the, the name of the church I'm from. And then I say to him, I'm watching myself say this. It was like in slow motion, what church do you come from? <laughs> and I'm like, why did I say that? There's no comeback. Like, you can't talk to people like that that have got such incredible profile. You can't just have a back, back and forth. What do you do for work? What do you do for work? It doesn't really flow like that with someone like that. And so he's talking, and then he goes, how's your church going? And then I, so like, I start telling him about our church, and I go, how is your church going? <laughs> and I'm like, you know when it's like you're watching yourself die in slow motion, but you can't stop it? And I was so just caught up in the moment of like, he's my hero. And, and I lost who I was in that moment, just trying to keep it going. And, and, and I wasn't there anymore. <laughs> it was just a weird version of me that was just repeating the same questions. <laughs> oh, it was the worst. But how often we can do that? We can put ourselves on autopilot because of our own insecurities. And that was all it really was, my own insecurities in that moment. Or we can put a mask on because of what's going on in, in our own lives that we don't actually give our true presence to the relationships that were there. We're not really being vulnerable and true and opening ourselves up in, in those moments to genuinely connect with people. And can I encourage you this Christmas season, give the gift of your presence. And third and finally this morning, the gift of love. 
See, what happened in this moment, it says, So they hurried and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. What was the word that they they were sharing with everyone? Well, it goes back to the start of the passage where it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. The greatest gift you can give is the gift of relationship with Jesus Christ. To be able to share that with other people. To be able to share not just about love, but to be able to share the source of love, which is Jesus. And to be reminded that you are actually loved. That it doesn't matter what you have done. You have received a gift that perhaps you feel like you didn't deserve. You've received a gift that you feel like maybe it should be for somebody else that's better behaved. But you have received it not because of how good you are, but because of how good the grace of Jesus is. And so the gift of love is yours. All you need to do is receive it. You don't have to try and earn it. It is just literally received. And love changes your priorities. It changes the way that you live your life. You notice when someone starts a relationship with somebody, how their their money goes towards that relationship, their time goes towards that relationship, their focus goes towards that relationship. There is just this excitement of relationship, and that's what love does. Love changes the priorities of your life. And once you've received the grace of Jesus and the love that can only come from Him, it changes your priorities. Love changes your perspective. It actually changes the way that you view and filter other people. That you know that you've received the love of Jesus Christ, even though you weren't perfect. And so therefore, those that are around you that perhaps can disappoint you and let you down, it's also a reminder to show love towards them. There's a great story. I'm not sure whether you you have seen it or not, but story of a young man in America that was, was shot and killed by this off-duty police officer. And there was this court case that went with that, and there was, it came to the moment in the court case where there was this victim impact statement. And it was the brother of the victim, Botham Jean, his, his brother, that got up onto the stand, and this was, I guess, meant to be that moment where the lawyers love this moment, where they tell them how deep the hurt and the pain has been, so that the sentence is increased as they're making a decision to be able to sentence this police officer. And so in this moment, you can see this man come up onto the platform and you can imagine the anguish and grief in that moment, the anger, the frustration. This is finally his moment to be able to say what he thinks and really make this person that had killed his brother feel the impact of the story. And have a look to the screens and this is how it plays out. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, if you you truly are sorry, sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even. I don't know where it's going, but you get the, the, um, 
there is a video that was meant to be attached to that, so I'm not sure where that went. But he literally, in that moment, forgives this lady. And then not only that, in the clip as it continues on, he goes and he asks the judge if he can hug the lady that has killed his brother. It's an incredible moment as they come together and they just both weep. And he talks about the power of God's love and how Jesus can forgive you. And, that is, and he goes, that is the greatest thing you could do with your life as a sign of repentance is to receive Jesus Christ. And I think, what a powerful moment. He didn't need to do that. His anger, his frustration, all that had happened in his life that led him to that point would have caused him to be outraged at that moment. But yet love had changed his perspective because he'd received the grace of Jesus for himself. I don't even know how he had the strength to be able to do that in that moment. But it's a reminder to me how love transforms your perspective. Love changes you on the inside and love changes your plans. I love in 1 John 4, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God who made manifest among us, the God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the proportion for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. Love is a language that crosses every culture, crosses language, crosses every barrier. It's why Jesus, when he came to the earth, he didn't come to condemn, he came to love. And the greatest gift we can give is to be able to share that love with our world, share that love with those that are around and about us, to be reminded again that we have an opportunity for others to receive what we have already received. So this Christmas season, let's have the gift of gratitude. Let's be reminded of how thankful we are for what we've received, the gift of your presence and the gift of love. Lord, this morning, I thank you for every person that's under the sound of my voice today on the stream here in the service, Lord Jesus. I just thank you for this Christmas season, Lord God. Help us not to be so caught in the chaos that we forget the Christ in Christmas. Lord, I thank you for this season, this time where the church can with a megaphone scream the love of Jesus Christ to a hurting world. And I pray that the hope of Jesus would be an anchor at this time of year. I pray that it would be a moment and a time, Lord God, where we can reach out to those that are around and about us with the incredible love of Jesus and remind the world of the greatest gift, the gift of relationship with Jesus. And we thank you for it. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's stand and worship before we close.